Hi Sam, welcome back to A Runner's Life podcast. How are you doing? I'm good, Marcus. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. We were having a really good conversation before about Boston Marathon training <laughs> methods, philosophies. It's about time that I started to hit the record button and get this show rolling. So you were back on episode 34. You were one of my earlier guests back in 2020. So obviously we're in 2022 now. So what have you been up to since then? Honestly, um, the typical runner story, a lot of miles, a lot of running, changed job a few times and just been working on those next phases of my life. Um, big one being, you know, getting married, getting married to my wife, Kylie, last year. And then, yeah, just got some big, big things coming up. So, uh, so yeah, a lot has happened, to be honest, since the last time we, uh, we jumped on a podcast. So, so, yeah, some exciting stuff to talk about. Congratulations on getting married. I know it's been a little, it's been a minute now since it's happened. And I think also when we spoke before, I think you were, I think you'd finished or you were just finishing like uh, uni, you were competing at uni. So I know we were talking about some of the interesting conversations about like competing with a team and all that kind of stuff as well. So that was super cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the last time we spoke, I'd literally just left the university over here in the States. I just graduated and I'm not going to, not going to lie to you. I was kind of in a weird spot where I was figuring out what on earth I was going to do with my life after after collegiate running so yeah it's i think it would be cool to compare these two podcasts to see what's changed and how i've changed because i feel like i've certainly changed as a person since the last time we did a podcast so it's certainly going to be interesting in what ways do you think you've changed i think my wife will agree with me i've i've relaxed a lot more i'm no longer a little bit crazy about about running about about my own running yeah just you know i've started worrying about adulting now i'm in that phase of my life where i'm in my mid-20s and was lucky enough to to just be a runner for a number of years and now i've got all these cool and well let's say not interesting stuff like credit scores and taxes and you know paying rent and stuff like that that i've got to worry about now so maturity i'll say is the word that has most mostly changed yeah that makes a lot of sense so i don't think i asked you this at the time actually because i think i was still kind of working through my questions but what does a runner's life mean to you now? Um, that's a good question. A runner's life is, I describe it as you're spinning a lot of plates in your life, but running is this gigantic plate that you almost, you want to spin, you know? It's, uh, for me, it's my passion. It's everything I love. It's um, often what gets me up in the morning. It's the motivation that drives me in other aspects of my life as well. To me, a runner's life is my life. So I think that'd be the best way to describe it. So when you say big plate, I mean, it's like sometimes when we have plates, like we sometimes we, we drop them, the little ones, and then it's not so bad. But what happens when you drop the big plate then? <laughs> Especially running, and it happens with a lot of us as runners. Honestly, it's, uh, I, I mean, and also you've got to define what's dropping the plate. I mean, you can, you can drop the plate and break it, kind of. I'd say that's like getting injured. Yeah. And I think if you've been running long enough, we've all had our fair share of injuries knock on wood nothing too bad but you often find that you're juggling all these plates in life and the way i like to think of it is if if you've got a passion that's one of your big plates you know you've got your family you've got you know your spouse you've got um you know your, your job and then you've got your passion and those are like the big plates and then you've got loads of little plates alongside it as well so so i guess it's you drop that plate you're almost losing your passion for a little bit but um, ultimately it's your decision whether you're going to get that back or not 
And I think that's the key. We're getting deep now. It's like, is there a plate or is there no plate? <laughs> <laughs> I think that should be the name of this uh, this this episode of the podcast, Spinning Plates. <laughs> Definitely. So let's jump into your running. So, so you recently just defended your 10K title. Can you talk about that? Honestly, I did the race last year for the first time. It's For those who don't know, it's the Anthem Star 10K. It's in Roanoke, Virginia, over here in the States. It's got the title of America's Toughest Road 10K. It's got over 2,000 feet of elevation change. It's basically you run up and down the Mill, Mill Mountain, which is a huge mountain. It's about 900 feet of climbing in the space of about a mile, mile and a half, and then it's straight back down it. So it's absolutely relentless. I did it last year for the first time. I did a, I was chasing sub 32 for the 10K. I did a bunch of 10K road races. And then at the end of the season, I decided I'm going to try something a little bit different. So I did this race and I wasn't expecting it to be as bad. I thought it's just going to be, a, it's just going to be a big hill, really. It can't be that bad. And then I'm halfway up the mountain and I'm, cursing under my breath thinking why have I got myself into this but I did it again this year and yeah it's just incredible just the, the feeling of getting up the mountain getting to the top seeing the views and then racing back down it it's just a different challenge I mean when you spend years chasing time so trying to run on the flat when you get thrown this different challenge it's it's just refreshing it, it gave me a different buzz that I think I definitely needed at this uh, this part of my career Absolutely. And can you talk about that racing aspect as well? Because you're going up the hill, feeling like burning your legs, you've got your competitors around you. What's your kind of mindset like in that sort of that moment? To be honest, this year I was pretty calm. I, last year I was very nervous because I could, you know, you could see the mountain from the start line. And I was thinking, how on earth am I going to get up that? But this year I've been doing a decent amount of training for it. I've been running up and down mountains in Tennessee, in, in Virginia, in North Carolina, where I live. So I felt very prepared for it this year, but I felt very relaxed. The opening miles pretty much flat, a few rolling hills, and a few of the guys decided to take the pace on, and I could hear them breathing on the flat. So I was thinking, if you guys are breathing at this point, then that mountain is going to be painful. So I just sat in and made my move halfway up the mountain. So I knew my strength was going to be knowing the course, you know, memorizing the course and being strong on the uphill, but also having the good leg speed for the downhill. You know, to give you an example, my third mile on the uphill at the, the highest grade of incline was a 7.10 mile. And a mile later, I ran 4.45 on the downhill. So, yeah, it's it's brutal, but I found myself being very patient, very relaxed and not planning too much, just taking it step by step. It's a bit like cross country, isn't it? It's like you just have to really work for the effort on the ups and the downs, really, and just let go of just that consistent pace throughout. Yeah, I mean, you, with races like that, you can't plan too much. And I had an athlete racing it as well, but she did the half marathon. And I said, you know, we, we can't go in with a plan for every mile of this race because we don't know what's going to happen. Like, ultimately, we can plan for the first mile. Then after that, we're going up a mountain. So you've literally just got to listen to your body, take it easy to begin with and work your way through it. So similar to cross country thankfully no ankle deep mud over here but but yeah certainly a different kind of challenge absolutely and just going back to what you said before i thought it was really interesting it's those subtle things that we don't always appreciate like you're saying like when you watch like two boxers like pro boxers and the first round they're kind of for each other out there they're throwing jabs they're throwing fakes they're just seeing like how people react and like you noted the point there about just like you can hear the breathing you know on the flat 
you know you know i mean these little things that people probably don't pay attention to because they're just focusing on their own race i think that's really important just to see like those little things that you're picking up as well yeah it's um it's almost listening to your competitors but also you know trying to get feelers out there because i'll often find myself talking to people on start lines anyway i like you know it's my favorite part of racing just getting to you know that shared sense that we're all in this together we're going to try and beat each other as soon as that gun goes but ultimately we're all doing the same thing here we're all going the same way you know it's that shared sense of uh sense of enjoyment but dread at the same time so <laughs> so yeah i was trying to talk as much as i could for the first uh first few minutes of the race just trying to get a feeler out to see you know how people were feeling just trying to be sociable and um yeah i could definitely tell when we got to the base of the mountain that i was i was gonna win this <laughs> I love that. I love that championship mindset, mate. When it's like you're saying, it's like, I was thinking about initially, was it due to nerves? But I don't think it was because I think you were confident in your ability. Like you're saying, just like seeing how everyone else is and it's like celebration and you're there, you're like, you're ready to race. It's, you know, so many factors that come into play. So it's really interesting hearing that perspective as well from the start. Yeah, I mean, it, I used to get very, very nervous when I was a junior, but I found the older I've got, once you've, been in that situation time and time and time again where you're kind of in that vulnerable situation where um you might win you might lose you might pr you might not um you just learn to deal with it and i don't know it's rare that i get nervous these days i find very you know i find comfort in knowing that i've been there and done this before and if i win great if i lose great it's it happens you know and just just working through it is the key but going back to that thing about the nurse but do you think it's more the fact that because it's something you've been doing such a long time as opposed to like something completely new like outside your comfort zone which is why that fear factor might not be as strong as it was when you're coming up yeah i guess it's it's that repetitiveness of um i found it especially during when i was racing track a lot that i'd just done it so many times that it, it you know nothing was new at this point yeah. and although i may win the race may set a personal best or may get absolutely spanked and finished dead last um ultimately i've 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 experienced the high and i've experienced the low and i've experienced a ridiculous amount of in the middle with those mediocre average kind of performances that i think we all have at times um yeah so i just didn't feel as nervous now i do still get nervous for certain races with if there's a championship or if there's you know a, a huge race where um I may, I'm chasing a certain standard or something, then I get nervous. But for the majority of races these days, it's just see what happens and ultimately enjoy it. I know we've always spoken about recent race last year, cross country championships as well. Obviously prior to that, college, do you know what I mean? We're talking about that, competing at a high level there. So kind of what's next for you right now in your running? Yeah, um, I've kind of been speaking to my wife about it a lot the past uh, the past few months. And I've ultimately decided that this year will be my last year competitive running. Um, I've been doing it for, been running for 13 years. For 10 of those years, I've been what I'd like to class as competitive, where I've been taking it seriously and um, living the sport day to day and sacrificing a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of money, a lot of time with my family and friends. Um, you know, I've given ev everything I've got to the sport, basically. And I'm not going to call it a uh, a retirement retirement speech or a retirement 
kind of party or anything like that because ultimately I wasn't a professional. I was, you know, I was a competitive runner like many people are. But for me, I've I've kind of been reflecting on my career, where I've gone, where I started. Yeah, I've come to the decision to to take a step away and ultimately move on with the next phase of my life, which is going to be coaching full time. That's something that I'm very passionate about and something that, you know, I've given a lot of thought over the past six months or so at what I ultimately want to do and where I want to channel all my energy into. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now. I mean, obviously it's an exciting phase moving into the coaching side, but can you talk a little bit about, you know, making that decision to step back from competitive running and like, how do you make that decision? I imagine it wasn't an easy decision to make. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, ultimately I had to reflect on, am I happy? Have I been happy with what I've achieved and where I've been and what I've done? And for a long time, I never really appreciated a lot of the stuff that I had done. You almost, my mindset for a number of years was do something, achieve it, achieve that goal, then just put it in a drawer. What's next and keep moving and keep moving forwards. And I hit a point last year where I won the American amateur union cross country title. A guy like me won a national championship, which is a, uh, almost surreal to think about <laughs> but you know that moment kind of gave me a lot of closure and gave me almost the feeling of you know what you've achieved something magical something that you never thought you'd ever do and now it's time you know to move on I looked upon all the things that running's given me you know education opportunity you know meeting some incredible people getting to do some incredible races and I think that it's given me pretty much everything that, that I've needed you know it's given me that discipline that structure in my life and ultimately it's kept me on the straight and narrow and kept me on a path of you know discovering who I am as an individual and as a person and ultimately now as a coach so it was a big decision but I had to look at a few different factors I mean one of the main factors was where do I want to be in 10 years time like where does my life which direction does my life want to travel now and I figured out that I could keep being a competitive runner, keep, you know, paying the money to go to races, buying shoes, you know, putting all this energy and time into it, but ultimately taking time away from my ability to coach. I'm very open and I'm very, you know, I know my personality and I know that I'm, if I'm going to do something, I want to do it to the best of my ability. And if I'm going to invest a bunch of time and effort into something, I want to do it right. Um, and I think I'd be doing kind of an injustice to myself if I, continued running but wasn't taking it as serious like i know that that probably wouldn't be a good thing for, for my personality and my mental health ultimately so i know that if i want to be the best coach i can be that i need to step away from my own running and take away that selfishness and start being more selfless and focusing on my athletes instead um, which honestly that's something that's made it a lot easier the past six months i've been coaching a lot at one point, I had over 40 athletes I was managing. So that's a lot of time and energy going into that. And I wasn't thinking about my own running whatsoever. Um, and when that started happening, I knew that, okay, maybe this is something we need to consider. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of one of the main reasons. And another thing that I think a lot of British runners probably aren't aware of, but in America, being a post-collegiate runner, unless you're a professional, it's very difficult. It's there's no infrastructure here. There's there's running clubs, but there isn't there aren't many places or races or opportunities for guys who are at that level where they're 
decent, but they're not good enough to be pro or good enough to make Olympic trials and stuff like that. Um, so it's kind of a big drop off, a big gap where in order to get the opportunities and people to train with, you need to move to different locations. And I'm just not in that phase of my life that I'm willing to do that. So um, a lot of thought and, you know, a lot of contemplation went into this decision. But ultimately, I know that it's going to be for the best of my coaching career and the best for my future. Yeah, perfectly explained there. And like you're saying, it's not an easy decision. But like you said, and you've shown like you've considered the factors of like where you are, where you'd like to be and all those things. And do you know what I mean, you know, I think, yeah, it makes a lot of sense what you're saying. It's definitely not easy. I can imagine, like you're saying, there's lots of runners kind of similar to the situation. You know, you're saying like they either keep trying and don't get to that stage where they like to be and keep outlaying and outlaying, but not getting any further. It's a big risk. Like you're saying, there's not enough, there's not like a great support structure there unless you're right at the top. So I think, yeah, what you're saying makes sense. But I also want to go back to something you said about the coaching as well. Something a former coach said to me, which you just said actually makes a lot of sense, is he said it to me as well. I was like, he said, I think I'm a better coach now, now that I don't run. And it seems like it's hard to be a good coach if you're still running competitively yourself. You've got to be quite selfish, not selfish, like, you know, the world just revolves around me, but you've got, it's quite hard to be a competitive runner and coach other people. Not saying it's impossible, but. Do you know what I mean? It's not easy. Yeah, that's that's one of the biggest challenges I've faced. I found it, especially when I first started my coaching business, I only had a few athletes, so it was kind of easy to manage. And often I was at races with them or I'd see them on the circuit, so it wasn't a big deal. But then you find yourself away racing, you've got your own workouts to do, and you start worrying about your own workouts and where you've got to be instead of where your athletes are. And kind of a switch happened for me ran about October, November. I got injured during my marathon build-up and then did a few cross-country races and had some some great fun there. And then after that, I kind of sat down with myself and I said, well, if you're going to be a coach going forwards and if that's going to be your long-term goal, you need to stop worrying about what you're doing and worry more about what other people are doing. So ever since that kind of reflection happened, I've taken a step away from my own running and stopped really focusing and caring as much. And I've started really putting my eyes and ears and my whole heart and passion into other people. I think a lot of athletes, I know in other sports, it's very different. I know you hear about a lot of football players who suffer with like mental health issues and depression and stuff when, when their competitive days are over. I think in track and field is, and running is very unique because there's a place for us. You know, when you, when you stop competitive running, there's a place and there's going to be people there who are going to want to hear about your days as a runner but ultimately learn from the stuff that you learned i know a lot of runners will go through their entire competitive career having learned nothing about what they were doing and that's just how some people are they're not bothered about learning stuff i had teammates here who they did four years of college here under the same coach and they didn't know what lactic threshold meant even though they'd been doing it for four years and then you've got other athletes who listen to every little detail and i think you'll probably agree with me on that that we're quite similar um, in that sense where we listen and we learn and ultimately to get better as runners ourselves. And then eventually you find you come towards the end of your career and you've got all this information that in any other work, walk of life is pointless and you don't need to know. So you think, well, what am I going to do with it? And then you start giving it back to other people. And, you know, that's made it easier for me, uh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And like you're saying, always be curious, asking the questions, 
and I think good coaches actually like that because it sort of shows like you're actually taking in your thinking about what works and what you know what doesn't work for a certain period of time and I think another great bit about being a good coach is understanding people and as our conversation offline before we we're talking about the Boston Marathon and some of the certain tactics and things between athletes and what you demonstrated was actually like the well-rounded idea of just like maybe what they're thinking about reasons behind it all these kind of things and I think that is so important to have that because coaching isn't just like here's a plan there's so many other factors that you've got obviously experience of that you can you know put and trans- transfer into your athletes as well yeah I mean I will say and I never thought about this but coaching isn't always about how you know your your ideas as a coach often it's about people management and how can you make people tick and I never understood what that meant until I went to Cardiff Met and I was coached by James V. He um he's a phenomenal coach. One of his biggest strengths is people management. Like he had a way, and my wife laughs at me now because if I get off the phone with James, I just want to run for a brick wall. Like I'm ready to go. Like I'm not afraid of any challenge. Like he he has this ability to sit down with you for five minutes for a coffee, um, and you'll leave that five minute meeting feeling sky high and I think that's something that I desperately want to take into my coaching is making people feel a million bucks and understanding them as a person because personally I don't think if you don't understand the athlete you can't help them to the full ability you know a training plan will take you so far but actually understanding how an athlete's mind works whether they need you whether you need to big them up or whether you need to knock them down a few pegs you know just understanding them as a person will ultimately make them a better runner and allow you to give them the kind of training that's going to work with them so um, understanding people is something that I'm still learning I'm honestly I'm still learning that that's something I want to get better at Um, but it's something I think is critical for coaches yeah totally agree I think that people side is so important same as you still learning that process like you're saying you can have the, the the programs the workouts but it doesn't really matter unless you know what that what makes that person tick and you can relate to that person because people buy people. So it's a great point. And also we've spoken about people. And this next question, literally, we could probably could spend hours talking about it. So I'm going to try and see if we can sum it down in a little bit easier. So can you talk a little bit about your coaching philosophy and like what your guiding principles are? Yeah, my coaching philosophy is something that I've been coaching for a few years, but ultimately I've been been really trying to nail down who I, who I am as a coach and focusing on it for the past 12 months. And my main thing is making sure that the train is personal. Um, I believe in treating e- each individual differently in the way of each person needs something different. Um, over here in the college system, it's very much one shoe fits all. That happens quite a lot. And I know that's not the case everywhere. I know a lot of programs that it's not like that. Um, and for me, I think if you can give each athlete what they need, then they're going to be more successful. And, that goes back to the point of understanding them as a person, looking at the history, looking at what they've achieved of what they need to work on, figuring out strengths and weaknesses, and then, and then working from there. The main mantra I believe in is building aerobic machines and monsters in order to be a better runner. There's, there's no shortcut. You've got to run. So keeping it simple, starting off with the basics and then ultimately working up to, um, to more structure and more kind of uh, specialist training. So my main thing is, building aerobic monsters and using the analogy of 
every runner should be every runner's training plan and every runner should be like baking a cake and i know we've talked about that before that's something james when i was at cardiff met taught me about and it's ultimately his his philosophy is is baking baking a cake and you know you need all these different ingredients um if you just do one thing say if you've got your flour which is easy running if you just do easy running constantly then you don't have a cake you've just got one ingredient which is flour whereas if you add all these extra things in you can make a more rounded cake and ultimately be more successful um so those are my main things as a coaching philosophy yeah i, I love that cake analogy we spoke about it before and it really does it's one of those things that sticks in your head actually and it makes a lot of sense when you think about all the things that make make it work but yeah i agree about the aerobic side and you know, I've spoken to other successful runners, more experienced runners than myself, and you know, you were asking like, what is the secret thing? And I remember one guy who, a guy called Chris Finnell, he's one of the ever presents. Basically, he ran thirty years consistently as a sub three. Basically, like, if anyone knows anything about running, this guy knows about running. And I said to him like, what would you do? And he's just like, I literally just do like lots of easy runs on the hills because he, where he lives, is so undulating. He's like, I just do that every like every Sunday, and like, he's older than me, but like the, the dude is fit. Like, <laughs> seriously, like I t- I was like, he's just he will leave you in the dust. So like, and you can see like how all that aerobic fitness over the years like is built up to make him what he is. Like, it's not something he's just fallen upon. Do you know what I mean? And it really does. Yeah, count. I mean, it's. Uh, I find that a lot of a lot of runners will they'll try and overcomplicate their training and overcomplicate stuff, and you know if. There'll be a lot of running coaches, uh, so many incredible running coaches out there, but I'll see some people just really overcomplicating stuff. And when you get down to it, running is the most simple sport on the planet. We don't need to be good at any skills. We don't need anything like that. Ultimately, you just need to run. You know, there's a lot of structure we can put to it. And my training is very much like the American system over here, the Jack Daniels methodology with a lot of periodization. I believe in periodization. I think it's so important, especially if you've got a goal race and especially with marathon training too. I think that's so critical. But just keeping it simple. I mean, there's no need to overcomplicate stuff. There's no magic formula, no magic recipe or magic workout that makes a runner. It's just years of consistency is the key. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And can you tell us a bit about your coaching business and name, how people can get in touch with you? Yeah, yeah. So um, my coaching business is called Team Homestretch. Uh, we were founded in the summer of 21, so it's a very new, up-and-coming kind of coaching business. We So far, we've had over 60 athletes we've had come through Team Homestretch. We offer in-person training, but we're based in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, or we offer a lot of online training. Typically, we coach people from beginner level. We've got runners who are learning to run. They're doing run-walk intervals teach them the basics of running, you know, warm-ups, drills, hydration, nutrition. And then we've got people who are seasoned marathon runners who've been running for 10, 15 years, qualifying for the Boston Marathon, kind of everything in between. So ultimately, we cater for all abilities, all age groups. And really, we've got a place, place for everybody on that team. We've got an incredible online community with Facebook group, WhatsApp groups, and we have regular Zoom calls. I want to give a shout out to our community captain, Katie McAllister. She's everyone's biggest cheerleader, everyone's biggest fan. She's an incredible runner herself, but she's an incredible community captain. And, you know, she gets involved in all that stuff and she really, really does help help this team and help this business. My main thing was I didn't want, 
I, I, I know a lot of online coaches and I didn't want to be an online coach that just, you know, just advertised himself. I wanted it to be a community for everyone where we celebrate everyone's achievements, whether you've just finished your first 5k or whether you've just, um, you know, just broke a state record like one of our middle school girls did. You know, I wanted to create that community where we, we get together, we, we have socials, but ultimately we support and kind of lift each other up, you know, throughout everything. So um, it's a little bit different from a lot of online coaching businesses. It's actually a team. When you're coached by me, you join a team and then we do stuff together. So that's the key. I really like that. I think, you know, community, teamwork, having great people like Katie definitely helps bond things together and make people feel connected, like you're saying. Especially in these times, I think it's so important. So I think that's a great way to kind of to kind of move things forward, especially with what you're doing. So we've spoken about the coaching, and recently I've, I've transitioned a little bit from the marathon to mile training. And I'm obviously mindful, obviously your specialist like 10k's that kind of distance and stuff. So I'm going to be asking you some questions about the mile. I know you've done some as well, and you've got some good experience as well. We spoke about some uh, specific mile training as well. In the build up to this one so that's really cool so i just wanted to speak to you really about like i guess mental techniques really like what advice would you give to someone who's uh like training to do a mile on a track so you've got like four just, just over four laps to go haven't you so what, how would you kind of advise someone to approach that <laughs> well, i know obviously is a, a, a very different <laughs> challenge for you marcus um you know, being I was a 10k guy, so stepping down to the mile was similar for me. It was, you know, it's a different ball game completely. The main thing is though, breaking it down. It may be a shorter distance, but it it will hurt you a lot more than a marathon will, a lot quicker. So ultimately, breaking it down, taking it lap by lap. I always like to think of with a mile. If you're racing on the track, you've got variables you can control. You know, you know what the facilities are going to be like. You know that you're going to be flat. So you don't have to worry about any hills. You know, so breaking it down lap by lap, having mini micro targets that you've got for every lap. The key is not going off too quick. It's like anything. If you go off too quick in the opening miles of a marathon, you're going to pay for it. It's the same with the mile. If you're trying to break five minutes for the mile and you go off at 62, 63 for the first lap, then it is going to be a painful second half of that race. So breaking it down, um, figuring out what splits you need and ultimately once you get through the first lap or two just go race and have some fun but also you'll know from doing multiple races you're always going to hit a rough point like it's rare that you do a race where there isn't a little rough patch whether it's a few seconds a few minutes maybe you know half an hour in a marathon you never know but just realizing before every race i did like that i said to myself before this is going to hurt no matter what like this is going to be painful but it's not going to last forever you know you've got five six seven minutes of pain and then you're done you know, you can feel sorry for yourself after. Just go out there, have some fun, put yourself in that pain box and then, you know, just know that it'll it'll be gone. It'll be done very shortly. So just going back to what you said there, is it something that you consciously like embrace when it happens? Like some people love that when it's getting really hard. That's the moment they feel like it's working hard. They're working hard and they can sort of kick on. Some people, you know, have that mantra, but when it happens, they just like fade and they just don't like it. Like how did you kind of deal with obviously pre-race like I'm gonna it's gonna hurt I'm gonna be fine so when it does start hurting like what that the space between and it meets like what happens um, there for you I've always been very good at talking myself through situations like that I'm a big I'm not 
huge into psychology, but I found certain techniques that work really well for me. I typically, I, I really liked Clive Woodward. So Clive Woodward, the, uh, the England rugby coach, he had, a, he had a mantra that he told the entire England team before the World Cup. It was just a little analogy. It was teacup, thinking calm under pressure. And I kind of played my own twist with that. And whenever I got myself in a situation where I was hurting desperately, and you're in that situation where you're thinking, I can't go on here. I just keep repeating to myself, teacup, teacup, teacup. And it was almost like off bad boys when they're like, ooh, sir, you know, that similar thing. It's like a mantra that calms you down. And for some reason, that, that works really well for me. Yeah. Um, I know most people wouldn't expect a bad boys, uh, bad boys mention in this podcast, but for me, it works wonders. And also knowing that every bad patch isn't going to last. It feels like it will. When you're in that moment, you think this is never going to end. You think I'm going to be feeling like garbage for the rest of this race, but it's not true. I've been halfway through a 10K feeling like I'm going to die. And then two laps later, I feel fine again. So just reminding yourself that those rough times aren't going to last. They will pass. You've just got to keep grinding. Love that. It's just like you found like a way to like ground yourself within that moment, within all that kind of stuff happening. So it's interesting to sort of see how you sort of go from uh, different race distances and how I'm going to try and find my own sort yeah, of anchor. Yeah, I mean, the mile especially is a different kind of pain, especially to the marathon. Most people would think that, oh, I'm running 25 miles less, so it must be easier. But as you'll know, it's really not. It's Everyone's going through different kinds of pain. You know, there's qualities you can take from marathon training and running marathons, the mental toughness that takes. You can take that into, into the mile. It's just... Like you said, it's more concentrated. It happens a lot quicker. And you don't have as much time to make a decision. You know, you'll be in that moment, you'll be hurt, and then you have to make a decision. Do I kick on and keep holding this or do I back off? And ultimately, you'll know in that moment which decision you're going to make. But just knowing that, like I said, it's not going to last forever. That pain will subside eventually. And that's the key. Absolutely. Sam, that's some great advice. Thanks for jumping on, speaking to me again for Runner's Life podcast. Um, how can people get in touch with you? For Team Homestretch, we're, we're, we're on Instagram and Facebook. At Team Homestretch is our, is our handle. And then me personally, my Instagram handle is at Sam Lloyd Perks. I'm still fairly active on that. Not as active as I used to be, but I'm still on social media a decent amount. So yeah, if you're looking for a team to join, if you're looking for some just some free advice or some coaching, you know, just reach out. We've got some awesome opportunities there. And, you know, we, we cater for all abilities, all age groups and, you know, just anyone who wants to improve their running, that's exactly what they're there. We're, we're, uh, we're there for. Perfect. And I'm going to put all those details in the show notes. And if you're watching on YouTube, I'm going to put in the notes below. But yeah, Sam, thank you for being a guest on the Runners Live. Thank you for watching. If you're listening on the podcast, please rate, subscribe, share with your community. And same if you're watching on YouTube, please rate, subscribe, leave your comments, let me know how you found their content. Uh, reach out to Sam as well. And uh, thank you again for watching. Take care. Awesome, mate. I'm going to stop recording. So that's the end of the episode. Thank you for watching this part of the mile training series. I really appreciate it. It really helped me if you could please rate, subscribe, and leave a comment and share with your community. This helps this platform grow. And also, I want to say a big thank you to Days. They produce alcohol-free ale and lager. And as a dad, 
to be honest, I can't drink when I get hungover. I just find like I'm always on alert and also I just want to be healthy for running. So for me, this is a really nice compromise between the two without having to live a monk's existence, but also being able to have a beer. So check them out. You can get 15% if you make an order using the code MarcusRuns15. Again, it's MarcusRuns15 to get 15% off your order. So again, check it out. Thank you for watching and uh, take care.